You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, welcome to the last of our lessons on the storehouse blessing. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I've enjoyed putting it together, giving you this insight into these three kinds of storehouses that God uses to supply the needs of His children. And this last week, we're talking primarily about the interdimensional storehouse or treasures in heaven. This is how God took care of the ministry of Jesus by and large. He did have an immediate use storehouse, but it was small compared to what God did for him through this interdimensional storehouse. Okay, first episode here of this miraculous provision. And this is a creative miracle of provision that Jesus was involved with. Didn't necessarily catapult his ministry in the sense that it paid for anything, but what it did is it cemented the belief and the faith of the apostles that they had indeed done the right thing by following Jesus. Here we go. John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, he said, Why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now Jesus had never done a miracle. But the way that she tells this and tells them what to do says to me that Jesus was a known problem solver. And even though he'd never done a miracle to solve a problem, he had ways of solving problems. And that's why Mary said, do whatever he says. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So that would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 180 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And that didn't happen over uh, a course of a few minutes. That took a little work because they had to go to a well and uh, lower the bucket and bring the water up and, and, and draw it and fill. So then once they did that, he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee, And he thus revealed his glory, and look at this, his disciples put their faith in him. So this was not just a miracle, but it was a sign. And sometimes God does supernatural things as signs. Uh, He does those in order to heal people, bless people, and to convince people. Now, Now, this is important. 
There were times that Jesus did miracles and turned to the people who received them and said, see that you tell no one about this. And there was a reason that he did it. It wasn't reverse psychology. He didn't need the extra uh, um, good uh, news and favor uh, being spread abroad. What Jesus was doing is letting people know that when God meets your need, He's not doing it just to use you as an advertisement. That God meets your need because He loves you. So on occasion, Jesus healed people just for the sake of healing them, and then He told them, don't tell anybody. You don't have to tell anybody. And so that's why He did that. He wanted to let it be known that He's in the business, first of all, of doing good. On occasion, He did good in order to do a sign. In other words, this is a particular miracle of note that will be used to convince people of a thing. And that's what a sign is all about. A sign is used to convince people of a certain thing. I remember very clearly in 1979, in the last week of July, when God used me to heal a little girl of deafness. I prayed for her in a large camp meeting service, over a thousand children in that room. And uh, I know that most of the parents at that camp meeting thought of me as a babysitter. Uh, but that night when the little girl was healed, I did not know when her ears popped open. They were beginning to pop open while I was praying for her, but she asked if she could go sit down, and I said, yes, you can. And her brother took her back, and she sat down. And while they were sitting there, I was behind the puppet stage doing a puppet show, and her ears popped open com completely. She tells her brother. He tells my usher. My usher happens to be standing by a man who is working the camp meeting and who's in connection with all of the ushers by radio. And so he radios to the main floor and tells the ushers about this little girl who was just instantly healed of deafness. So they pass it on to the leader of the camp meeting who gets up and makes an announcement before 10,000 people. The little girl's parents jump up. They come upstairs. They want to see what's happened to their daughter. And so there has been a notable miracle. Now, it was also a sign. And it was a sign that this children's ministry that I had been telling everybody about was legit, that God really wanted to do things for kids and that kids could be healed, they could be saved. A lot of parents thought that children's ministry is just a babysitting thing. And that was not only a miracle that blessed a little girl, but it was also a sign of God's approval on my ministry. So having personally experienced something like that, I know what a sign can do. Now, the second time that Jesus did this was a sign of provision, and it was something that um, uh, met a need to keep people from starving who had so dedicated them to the, themselves to the cause of Christ. Here we go. Luke 9, verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. So they were in the boonies. There was no place to buy food without a lengthy walk. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered and they said, we have only five loaves of bread, two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the disciples did so. And everybody sat down. That would have been about 100 groups of 50. 
Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now this is a supernatural miracle of provision where God multiplied existing food. Now in the Old Testament, God provided manna that fell from heaven every morning or overnight for the Hebrews to eat in the wilderness because there was no other food available. This is different. He's using existing food and then multiplying it to take care of all of these people. Jesus didn't do that all the time. We have three episodes of Jesus doing a creative miracle with food. We'll read another one here in a minute. But they all have something in common. At least these two uh, uh, instances of Jesus multiplying loaves and fishes, they both have the same thing in common. I hope you saw it when we read, and I'll get into it in just a minute. Let's pick up the other one. The other one is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. We'll begin reading with verse uh, 32. The Scripture says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days, have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they might collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked, seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he'd given thanks, he broke them, gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, and the number of those who ate was 4,000 besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Now, what I want you to see is Jesus did it again, but this time it is in a wilderness place, like the first time, wilderness places. God did miracles of provision because it's what they had to have. When people cry out to God and say, God, I need a financial miracle, you need to be aware of what you're praying for. You're asking for extreme circumstances. You see, there's a big difference between financial provision financial harvest, and a financial miracle. The children of Israel had a supernatural miracle every day, six days a week. God gave them manna from heaven. The sixth day they had a double portion so they didn't have to gather it on the Sabbath. But it was supernaturally provided, but it was because they were in a wilderness. i got to tell you, that manna would have gotten old. No doubt they were grateful for it. But to eat the same meal every day, seven days a week with no variation, it could get old, I can assure you. But the minute they went into the land of Canaan where there were crops to reap and food to gather, the manna dried up and they never had it again. It tells me the manna was not God's preference. It was something that he had to do because of dire circumstances. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't want to provide in the middle of dire circumstances. He can do that. But I really don't want to see dire circumstances all the time. I want to reap the financial harvest. And that's God's primary way of getting blessing to us. So the people who have no clue how money flows, where it's going to come from, they have no idea how money works, these are people who live at the low end of the spectrum 
of God's financial provision. How do I know this? Because Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The people who have something and can give it to meet needs are more blessed than those who receive who don't know where things are coming from. My wife and I used to say to ourselves when we were young, when we started out, and when everybody paid for our dinner, when we went out after church, everybody felt sorry for us. They moved, were moved with compassion on us. And we lived in a government housing project. We didn't have much. We were very grateful for what those people did for us. But we said to each other, we do not want it to be like this forever. We want to see a change. We want to be the ones who bless people. We want to do for others what these people have done for us. And that is a higher level of prosperity. And the people who are having to have a miracle to get by are getting that because they are in very extreme conditions. Read your Bible. Look at the places where miracles of provision, true creative miracles of provision happened, you'll see that the people were in very dire circumstances. On the other hand, God's systematic laws of harvest are what fed people most of the time. We like to say this in certain circles. God is a God of the supernatural, and that's the truth. He is. But don't think for a minute that He is not also the God of the natural world, the God of seed time and harvest. And so I hope you have learned something about these different kinds of storehouses. Very quickly, the immediate use, the one that you have in your hand, it's your fridge, your pantry, it's what you're going to eat the next week. Number two, it is the intermediate use storehouse, something that you're putting back and saving for the next few years. And then there is that trust that you have in God where you give to Him and you're relying on Him for supernatural provision through the interdimensional storehouse, which is how Jesus operated and supported His ministry. I thank you for being a part of this podcast. I hope that you will pray about supporting us. And if you would like to do that, you can go to myfaithroots.com. On that website, there is a giving link, and you can help me continue to spread these good ideas, good thoughts from the Word of God to other people and to bless people with word that will set them free. Thank you very much. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below? And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below are going to MyFaithRoots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.